Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso. And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, Harvey Weinstein and other men behaving really, really badly. California recognizes a third gender. Barbados designates Rihanna Drive. And we answer a question about the N-word in song lyrics. Hey. <laughs> Salut Anne Friedman. Oh my God, coming in hot from Europe. <laughs> oh my God, coming in hot from Brussels, Belgium, literally sitting on my dad's bed, which is so weird. I don't think I've been in my dad's bedroom in a decade, so it's like very weird. Are you doing the, whenever I am home, I regress to a version of myself that I was before I moved out of my parents' house. Um, are you, are you doing okay? <laughs> Not me. I like have matured 20 years, in fact, and <laughs> it's very strange being home. Like on, on many levels, like it's strange being home in my dad's house. Also like, yeah, my mom doesn't live here. Uh, so that like, that's weird. Um, but yeah, but also like Belgium is just a deeply weird country. So like I'm taking all of that in and it is like, I don't know how to handle it. Hit me with a weird Belgian example. Like, what is weird about it? So, so in Belgium, they speak French also, right? It's like French and Flemish, and uh, I think German is the other language. Like, every street sign is everything. But even the version of French that they speak here, they just have, like, very different expressions and mannerisms and, like, colloquialisms. And both of my siblings, like, talk like them. And so when I hear them, like, count in something weird... Or instead of saying, or like whatever weirdo version of thank you that they say, it still jolts me. Other than that, what else? It's like it's very green, which is nice. Like that has been nice. Just like walking in the forest every day has been like great. But then there's also like weird shit. Like everybody here leaves their key inside the door. Like when you get home. Yes. I was like, do you people not watch Law and Order? Like this is not... (laughs) This is not how you do things. But it's like, it makes sense, right? It's like, if you leave the key inside the door, nobody can open it on the other side. And I was like, this is creepy. But it's just like, I just keep walking around and seeing keys in doors and wanting to yank all of them out. Although probably helps like with like not misplacing your keys. Oh, 100%. I was, yeah, that's why, what like, that's what somebody said. They were like, how do you know where your keys are? And I was like, you're right. That's literally the thing I look for every day. Right. Um, <laughs> so thanks. You know, but also the other thing is that like Brussels is exactly like D.C., in a lot of ways, because it's the capital of the European Union. So there's a ton of people here who are just like, you know, like young people who like work at the EU, like all of this weird, like, like government type jobs and like super right. transient people. So that's something NGO that's like, people probably. Yeah, that's like uh-huh. deeply comforting on some level. And it's also that I'm like, oh, it's like not as glamorous as anywhere else. It literally is the Washington, D.C. of Europe. <laughs> uh, well, I am very happy to have you back in America imminently. Uh, me too. I just... I'm ready. I'm ready to be home. No shade to my family. This has been a great trip, but I'm like ready to be home. 
Wow, no shade to the family. <laughs> no shade to the family. I'm just ready to sleep in my own bed. You know what I'm I saying? hear you. I hear you. Uh, and have working internet, right? <laughs> yeah, and have like working internet. Also, let's be real. Right before I came to see them, I was with you in LA. So it's just been like, I, like I'm ready to be in Brooklyn and sleep in my own bed for a while. Well, you're not going straight to Brooklyn because we have some CYG shows in the Midwest, <laughs> including one in Minneapolis that is not sold out yet. So if you are in Minnesota or in reasonable driving distance to Minnesota and want to come see us live, that's um, Saturday, October 21st uh, at the Women's Club. We will be there. Tickets are at callyourgirlfriend.com slash events. So well named. The women's club, although yeah. it's weirdly singular, it's not the women's club. It's the woman's yeah, club. It's I'm the like, woman's club, which is why I like it. There's like it's one woman's club that she's decided mm-hmm. to open up. <laughs> the, the singular fabulous woman, her club. Yeah. Now Amazing. I feel like I need to look into the history of that place. Yeah, um, we'll do that. I mean, I'm not. I'm always a little bit scared of like figuring out what pla- who people, what places are named for. You know. I know, or like what kind of weirdo discrimination they had until very recently. Oh, you know, exactly. Like, I feel like that's always the thing that you should look out for. Totally. Something um, called the club of any kind. Yeah. yeah, the club of any kind, like definitely let women in yesterday and definitely let black people in this morning. Like that's right. always how that works. Um, um, talk to me. <laughs> so obviously you've, you've missed lots of headlines about men doing horrible things. Let me tell you that the TV here is on a loop about Harvey Weinstein. So, like, that has been really surprising to me how much, like, European news has covered that back to back, like, wall to wall coverage. Is it put in the context of, like, similar stories or allegations locally or is it just like oh this is a Hollywood problem how are they contextualized? no so I think I think that it's um it's like a little bit of both which is what has been really surprising so definitely like there has been the like can you believe what the fuck is going on in America people are having a really hard time here processing the fact that like Harvey Weinstein is getting kicked out of the academy the like Oscars whatever that thing is called and Donald Trump is president for like the exact same kind of behavior which is a reasonable thing to think. <laughs> yeah, like European European people are like very reasonable. They're just like, are you kidding me? Like, what is the difference here? So I've, I've been hearing a lot of that. The other thing that's been interesting is that on French TV, at least, um, the president was interviewed, the French president was interviewed yesterday and they asked him about Harvey Weinstein. It was like, it was crazy. I was like, you're supposed to be defending your record on like 10 million other things. Like the fact that this reporter is asking you about this is is wild. And what was the question? Like, do you think it's bad? Because I mean... Yeah, it was like what he thinks about it. And then his like, he's been honored by the French Legion, the French Foreign Legion. Mm. And so the president was like, well, actually we're looking into rescinding his award and like taking it back from him because he has behaved in a dishonorable way. And then also like he answered the question like largely around what kind of legislation France is going to do. And I was like, oh, this is what happens when you have like a real president, you know? <laughs> he was really, he was, he was really outraged and he was really disgusted. Not on some like, sometimes politicians pretend that they're like outraged about things and they're definitely harassing their secretaries. Like that's like everybody in Congress. But yeah, he was like, this is like not okay, whatever. And then in France this week, there has been all of this talk about how one, they're definitely going to criminalize uh, street harassment, which, um, you know, is like a complicated kind of thing. But I was like, oh, like a city, like a country that's going to going to do something about street harassment. Thank you. And mm-hmm. also started talking about like uh, like 
her sexual harassment at work and like what the stronger laws that they're going to enact for it. So it was, I don't know, it was just one of those days where you like watch, you're like, oh, this is how other people live. And it's not to say that like in Belgium and in France, there is no like sexual harassment or whatever. In fact, Wait, it's what? rampant. What? Yes, There's in fact, elsewhere? it is rampant. <laughs> but like people are actually talking about like policy solutions that you can have towards that and also how you can have men step up, you know, and be the ones that like lead in these areas since they're the ones that are the number one perpetrators. That has been weird to watch. Right. Here's how other people live. On French social media, there was a really good hashtag this whole week that was basically like, um, call out your abuser, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting to read that like versus the way that it was framed versus like on, I, I know that like in a lot of English speaking social media that hashtag me too or the Me Too stories, which are also like very heartening and are women like sharing, you know, like all of the ways that they have, um, that they've endured this kind of abuse. But I like, there was something about like the American response to it that like both like made me depressed and just made me feel like, you know, I'm like, I've been a feminist for a long time now. Like I'm old enough that I remember Take Back the Night, uh, you know, and all of these things. And there's so many... I just, I get so frustrated when people say that like sharing our stories is the way that things are going to change. I was like, actually like, no, if anything, the only news stories that I've heard recently because of social media are my friends, moms and their aunts, which is really sad. And I was like, okay, so I guess like we're, we're going like generationally, but like women have been sharing these stories for a long time. So like, if you don't know that the women in your life endure all sorts of harassment and like unacceptable behavior, then like maybe you are the problem. Yeah, and there's also something too about the Me Too hashtag, and this is this is with 100% respect to the women and people who are using it. That it's almost like it's an educational tool for men and for people who haven't thought about this a lot about how rampant it is. It is not like him too as like a calling out or a like a name and shame. And I think like one of the things that has, I don't know, that I've been thinking about a lot related to this is the differences between giving more visibility to this issue as a way for survivors and for women and for people who are targets of this behavior to support each other versus a kind of like accountability. How do we make sure that this behavior doesn't continue at all and like remove men from power who perpetrate it, which to me feel like two very related but separate efforts. And like a lot of the different things that have sprung up in the wake of this reporting on Harvey Weinstein, which as of this recording, it's been 10 days since Jody Cantor and Megan Toohey reported in the New York Times about decades of harassment and abuse by Harvey Weinstein. And I think it was like a day or two later that Ronan Farrow and The New Yorker had a lot more detail. So like, you know, in that span, it's been one bajillion articles commenting on this. I'm just like, I feel like there's a lot of conflation between the idea of how are we supporting people who have already had these experiences um, and who have mm -hmm. been targeted by a terrible men versus like, how are we challenging this problem or holding men accountable? You know what I'm saying? Like there's kind of like two simultaneous related things happening. No, I hear you. And I will say that I am very disappointed in the men, the men TM, because like, for example, since I have been here, I've been invited to no less than three sorts of like meetings of women who like want to talk about this kind of stuff. And I wonder, I'm like, are the men having meetings? Are they talking to each other? Are they challenging each other? Are they like, are they stepping up? It's so frustrating to see all sorts of leadership around this always be women supported. 
And to be honest, too, like part of the reason that this is hard is because for a lot of us, like talking about this stuff like re-traumatizes us all over right. again. I've been pretty open about my own sexual abuse. And most days, like I'm fine. Like I'm like on the Oprah level of like, I've watched Oprah. I have like dealt with this. I go to therapy. And then there are the days where you literally cannot get out of bed. And it's just, and you never know like how each incident, like you will respond to it, you know? Right. And this is one of those things where I was like, I'm sorry. Like we, we go through this every couple of years. Like a couple of years ago, it was like women in music calling out people in their industry. Oh, that was last like, year. That wasn't recently, even a couple of years yeah. ago. And yeah. then it's like women in comedy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, like, I'm just, I am just like at a personal point where I am really frustrated around the fact that like we always pretend that whatever momentum we have now is like going to keep going forever or we pretend that it's like a new thing. Like, oh, women are finally speaking up and they're going on the record about pigs like Harvey Weinstein. It's like, no, no, like women have been doing this for a long time. I think that it's interesting that in this instance, like actually something happened. And to be clear, it's like something happened to one person. Harvey Weinstein will not work in Hollywood anymore. There are hundreds, if not thousands more Mm -hmm. like him out there thinking about the fact that like those guys are like safe at work and they will like turn around and, do the same behavior to somebody else tomorrow really makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I think that there is, like, maybe in a very long game sort of sense, a cumulative positive to there being a new, like, singular man every, you know, six months who is being punished for, like, decades of unchecked, you know, abuse and harassment. Like, I think that... I, I believe in like the super long game, like yes, but you're you're super you're also right about the short term, which is honestly like I am not a survivor and I can't I, I am struggling to read the news. It like, took me forever to get through the New Yorker article with sort of a lot of the really painful details. I mean, are men experiencing the same thing? Are they like, do they feel no obligation to check into this? No, I will tell you that I've had like dudes in my life like that I like love that we were friends with that are like, is it really like this? And I was like, do you not remember us having this exact same conversation last time a high profile like person was in the news for something like this? Like, what are you talking about? Right. And there is no, like, you know, there's, like, no mechanism to hold people's, like, memory accountable to the fact that, like, this is, it, it is ongoing. Yeah, I know. I mean, and I don't know, I don't know, like, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about the ways in which, you know, women talking privately and, you know, naming the names of dangerous men in private networks, how to... Not like, you know, take men by the hand and be like, you have to care too. But like the men who are like, say, in my personal network, I was like doing a little inventory of like, have I spoken to men I know professionally about other men I know to be shitty? Um, I know to be harassers or I know to be Mm. creeps or I know to be, you know, and it's like, I really, I mean, part of it too is like, I, I couldn't come up with a lot of instances where I had been open with men who I trust, who I know, you know, privately for example, about some of this stuff, you know, which is not to say men are off the hook, but I think like I have also been thinking about like, okay, people who I, I, I would expect to do the right thing, like, is it really invisible to them? I don't know. I don't know the answer. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been having a lot of these conversations lately with men in my life and it's, it's really hard. Like, it's really hard and it is really painful. And I think also like the thing probably that I've, realize is the most painful is that once you go through this kind of trauma 
of course you like never want to revisit it again but the the simple truth is that like it will keep affecting you in ways that you like don't want to deal with and having to have these hard conversations is one of them having to tell your story over and over again is one of them I have found at least for me you know people are really conflicted about like how people should report what happened to them like should they say something like do they say it on their own time is it okay if they never speak up like whatever and that's like another shitty thing about patriarchy and men who are bad is that now it becomes your problem as like a woman who like you know it's like you didn't ask for it and now it's like literally your problem and so I think that like for me at least like where I have landed on is that I have found that like speaking up is like net positive like better for everyone it does not mean that it has made things better for me in fact sometimes it has made things really shitty but I think that like we have such a culture of just like silence and shame and that anything that we can do to chip away at that will always like it will always make it better down the line like reading the New York Times follow-up, like seeing that Harvey Weinstein, like what he had done to like Gwyneth Paltrow and Mira Sorvino, like these people are Hollywood royalty. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like the fact that he felt so casually and free that he could do that to them is because he knew that he like nobody would say anything. Right. And that is that is something that I think about all of the time. And so I think that for me, like one place that I'm trying to really put my efforts into is how do we create a culture where people feel that they can speak up? And it's not pleasant. It will never be pleasant. And in fact, it's not safe sometimes. And it's like, it's, it's fucking awful. There's no other way to put it. But like these people have to be talked about. Right. And I think and what's I, hard- Yeah. And I don't know how to like, you know, it's like, I don't know how to balance those two things. And it's like really terrible advice to give survivors is to say like, share your story a lot all the time because trust me, it will not feel good. But also like, if they're, Part of the reason that the New York Times reporting happened and the New Yorker story happened is because these stories were out there, they were reportable, and people were able to connect the dots. And so that is like that's something that is like deeply important, but we don't live in a world where we make it easy for people to disclose. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this a lot too as it relates to the fact that this this particular story, like not all stories like this, but this particular story began not as a survivor saying something publicly on like her own social media platform or whatever, that this started with two very deeply reported articles. And I've been thinking about like in the hard calculus that you point to, which is wanting very much to make these stories public, but at the same time wanting to protect as much as possible the people who have been hurt by these like terrible men there is like something to be said for like old fashioned reporting, which is to say that you don't need to trust the entire public sphere. You need to trust one reporter and say, you can take this story. If you can verify it with, you know, three other women, then you can use it. And like, that's how, Mm. I mean, this doesn't apply to every single case, but like being able to show the systemic nature of it, which let's be real. Those of us who have witnessed behavior like this understand that it's almost always systemic. It's like, if you hear about someone you know, a man doing something like this once, like you are not shocked when you hear the second story and you're less shocked when you hear the third story. And so, you know, there is something about old-fashioned methods being able to say like, okay, like you have to trust, you know, the New York Times or you have to trust 
these two women reporting for the New York Times. You don't need to trust everyone in public. And, you know, and I think that that's like why a lot of survivors also go the legal route. You have to trust one lawyer. You don't have to trust like the entire public sphere. And so, you know, I've been thinking about ways like there have obviously been many calls by news organizations to be like, hey, if you want to report something, come forward. But I think that's like almost too general like I don't I, I don't have theories on like the right way in but there is something where I, when I look at like why did this story come out it's because there was a group that basically went public together as the story went was published yeah right power and numbers but you know like even thinking about what you said like think about the entire backstory and how both of those stories happened right and how there are people who have been trying to report this like Harvey Weinstein stuff for over a decade who were completely shut down Right. By like the same news organizations that ended up breaking the news later on. When I think about like how systemic the problem is, it's, you know, and thinking about like the machine of publicists and of even journalists who were too cowardly to pursue the story or people who higher up in media who shut it down. It's kind of a small miracle that it came out. But, you know, it's like when like once you hear those details, it only makes it harder to convince people that it's worth it to tell your story. There were women in both of the the big stories that came out who had told their stories previously only to be either like disbelieved or maligned in the press. Right. But like this stuff is hard. It's mm-hmm. really it's really hard. The other thing that I've been thinking about a lot is like how do you go after the enablers? Because there are so many people who are complicit in this like kind of behavior and atmosphere, like to a point that is sick, like reading in the um, the New Yorker story specifically about just like assistants who thought that they were acting, you know, that it's like my boss is using me as a honeypot. Oh God. If you know that and you still think that your job is worth keeping, you are a despicable human being. Right. Like you are part of the problem. I couldn't believe that people were like, well, I really want to make it in Hollywood, but also like, I definitely brought somebody in a compromising position position, and I know exactly what my boss is going to do to them. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, like yeah. you should like you should want to not work in Hollywood. Like that's literally like you put somebody else in harm's way because like whatever fucked up career move you thought that you were going to accomplish was good. Like I can believe that. Like, well, I can believe it, but I like it makes me so sick. The Harvey Weinsteins of the world like do not operate alone. Oh, completely. There's an entire machine that props them up.
I think that this is like actually a bigger issue about like, I think about the women in my life who have been like, oh, you know, don't publicly identify as like a feminist because that's not going to do your career any favors, which is something that someone definitely, an older woman definitely said to me, like in one of my first jobs. And it's like this idea of like, okay, like just go along with it so you can get ahead individually or you'll be okay individually. And like the idea of some kind of group solidarity being completely absent from how you operate is like, you know, the lie of capitalism is is strong. This is just one example of all the ways in which women are incentivized to basically sell each other out. I know. It's just so, it like, yeah, it's just, this is so disheartening. It's so disheartening. One thing that I have been noticing, like w- one thing that's kind of interesting about us talking about this not immediately uh, after the news broke is that the women who have defended or been apologetic of Harvey Weinstein are like one by one walking Donna back. Karen. Donna Ugh. Karen, but also Lisa Bloom. I'm throwing away my favorite robe because of Donna Karen. I was like, listen, you were questionably talented at best. And now like, I don't need to own any of your stuff. Lisa Bloom, huge disgrace. Oh my God. Donna Karen, DKNY makes the only hosiery that is affordably priced and comes in size tall. Talk about breaking my heart. You're about <laughs> to go without hosiery this year. <laughs> I'm a, my crotch is going to be so saggy in my tights this oh year when I'm wearing God. non-DKNY. Yeah. <laughs> These ladies are so crazy. L- Lisa Bloom stuff has been so fascinating to me because one, she is like legitimately feuding in public with her mom. I know. Which is amazing. But also, like, her reasoning, like, I just, I can't believe. So, for the people who do not know, Lisa Bloom is a lawyer and the daughter of... Gloria Allred. Best lawyer in the universe. And, you know... (laughs) Crusading feminist lawyer, Gloria Allred. Yeah, like, crusading feminist lawyer. (laughs) And Lisa Bloom, I can't believe that she did this. One, she sold her Trayvon Martin book to the Weinstein Company for development. So... That's the quid pro quo there. And then eyeball she ended up emoji, being, yeah. Right? Eyeball emoji. And then she ended up being an advisor to Harvey Weinstein. Her mom, like, rightfully so, in public, like, drew a hard line where she was like, I do not represent men who have been accused of sexual harassment. You can't, like, say that you are protecting women and then, like, turn around and do this kind of stuff. Also, how she tried to defend him on TV was she's like, he's just, you know, he's an old dinosaur learning new ways, blah, blah, blah. I was like... This is the women who he has harassed, like likely some of them would want to be your clients. And now nobody can trust you because you're just a craven, craven lady. Yeah. Also, can we talk about that? Like it was a different time defense, like the idea. Oh, my God. First of all, it was never it was never good. People say this all the time and it drives me crazy. Red flags when people use libertine, gentlemen, like whatever. And I was like, no. Trust me, the ladies in the 70s and in the fucking 50s and in the 30s, none of them enjoyed it when you did this to them. It's just that now we have a more precise vocabulary for like this kind of behavior. Totally. Yeah, like that that idea too of like, it used to be fine. It's like, no, no, like there were just different people controlling the narrative. It wasn't like, like this was fine for everyone. I think about this a lot specifically about the 70s and how everybody is like, oh, you know, it was like super relaxed and like free love and like all of this stuff. And I'm like, no, the way to co-opt like social movements to just do bad to everyone. Yeah, like way to be like, we've made a lot of progress and that's why some people are still bad to turn that against like the same people that those movements are working for. Oh my yeah. God. Um, 
But yeah, so the complicit women, Lisa Bloom, no longer advising Harvey Weinstein. Donna Karen is like, my remarks were taken out of context. Never mind. No, her remarks were like very clear. I know. Lindsay Lohan, but Lindsay Lohan, I cannot get mad at because I'm just like you, like we lost you a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, that's a little... Like you don't know what you're doing. The other thing that I think that is so fascinating to me about this moment and part of the reason, which sucks, the reason that like he got caught and he's on his way out is because he was on his way out in general. Like he just didn't have the same cachet that he used to have. Oh my God, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm like pumping my fist in the air because thank you for saying this. It's like, it's exactly the same case as like with American Apparel where Dove Charney would not have been ousted for yep. his shitty behavior if like, like the, yep. the share price had not already been decreasing. Like this is not something that happens yeah. to men at the very top of their game. I rewatched this week, like five different times last week, the Anne Hathaway, Matt Lauer interview mm. where he asked about her vagina and I I think about it so much in the context of just like how fucked up it was at the time and how everybody just like you know it's like there was a little bit of outrage but we let it slide it's like 10 years from now that like that clip will be part of a montage of things that like takes him down and I'm like happy to say that on the record because this stuff is like always it's it's so crazy to me that there are like patterns of sexism that you can see and there are dots that you can connect. But it's only if the person is like on the way out and like career-wise or like they're on the outs in their industry that people like call them out on it. Otherwise, they like get to be the king of Hollywood or the king of daytime TV. And it's really fucking stupid and unfair. Yeah, I had I had several friends suggest to me that this is just Bob Weinstein wanting Harvey out of the company, and that's the only reason it came out. That was a page six article and I 100% believe it because like both of Bob Weinstein's quotes to like the media have been insane Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's like true. It's like if you're, if your like sibling is guilty of bad behavior, like for sure it is a complicated thing, but it looks like the maneuvering is like incredible. But for, for all of like Harvey Weinstein being kicked out of Hollywood, Roman Polanski, still a member of the Academy. Oh, it was a different time when he was raping teen girls. It was a different time. Bill Cosby also, like uh, Woody Allen's not a member of the Academy, but he like gets to make movies all he wants. And like, did you see the crazy <laughs> quote that he gave the paper? Yes. Oh my God. I was actually just looking for it when you said this. Hang on. Let me find it. Did you also see the Kate Winslet headline that was like, Kate Winslet condemns Harvey Weinstein and then subhead stars in Woody Allen movie. <laughs> That's like, right. When, you're, when your subhead thinks you're full of shit, for sure. You have to laugh sometimes because it's just so bleak. Um, yeah, it's like I think about her. It's like who else is doing uh, like, yeah, it was like Kate Blanchett or somebody like that. Um, I should look it up to be precise because I don't want to accuse anybody. Like same behavior. I was like, listen, you can't like root out Harvey Weinstein and not root out the rest of these creeps because they're everywhere. And they, like, it's all in a continuum. Yeah. Uh, Okay. The Woody Allen quote, he says that Weinstein's downfall was, quote, sad for everybody involved. And then he also, quote, warned about a witch hunt atmosphere, a Salem atmosphere, where every guy in an office who winks at a woman is suddenly having to call a lawyer to defend himself. That's not right either. (laughs) Ah! 
<laughs> I can't even. I know. I know. I know. Also, I'm like, sir, please learn what witch hunt really is. Like, because it does not apply to you guys. It's the fact that, like, the root cause behavior doesn't get addressed. Like, even Harvey Weinstein is, like, at some fancy rehab for sex addiction. And it's like, sir, sex addiction is not the problem that you have. Yeah. Ugh. I also, it's so I, I talked to a friend of the podcast, Arin Carmone, who was writing about the kind of the spectrum of allegations from this is sexual harassment or this is creepy all the way to this is rape and abuse. She was kind of doing that, like, let me, like, do you want to respond to that argument that people like Oliver Stone and Woody Allen make, which is like, oh, you know, winking at, don't conflate winking at someone with rape. And this is something that like a lot of like, oh, I'm a sensible, reasonable observer people are like saying about this, right? Like, oh, we shouldn't rush to conflate all this behavior, which is true. But then when I think about this, I'm like, okay, where there is smoke, there is not always fire. But also, if there is, like, a bunch of smoke in your office, you are not just hanging out in there. Like, you are running. And, like, you know, part of me is, like, I really fail to think of an example where I'm, like, oh, yeah, like, I picked up on creep vibes from someone and no one else shared that experience. I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is people can tell the difference between, like, actual flirting when there is not an abuse of power versus like harassment. Like that is something that like, like the lived experience of it is, is pretty telling. Like you can feel what is happening to you. It's not that confusing on the inside. True. I'm going to come down really hard here though and say that like, you should fucking not flirt with your coworkers because here is the problem. Is that like these guys are saying like, oh, like you're just winking at someone or whatever. And I was like, none of these things exist in a vacuum. Like, are you kidding me? The fear that you can have from just like one sort of display of affection that you can have at the office and how or like whatever in life and how it manifests. It's really hypocritical of them to say that like, oh, like I'm just winking or that guy just taps girls on their butts or whatever. It's like, no. All of this behavior is unacceptable. Rape is rape, but it doesn't mean that the rest of it is not wrong. Right. And that's what I mean about like you the know, smoke and fire thing. It's like, yeah, smoke is not okay either. <laughs> I know, you know, but I also like, I think also about like Anthony Weiner, for example, who like went from being a garden variety sexter to like sexting a, like a teen and now is going to jail for it. Yeah. And that all happened under our noses. You know, like for a long time, I was like, ah, like this guy, he's like, he's the problem. And then like, here, like, here's the problem. Well, you know, I, yeah. I think that like looking at this behavior to me on a spectrum is super important because there was also this whole response online this week about people who are like, well, you know, like some men are just like, they're just like regular bad guys. And then there, there are just like you were saying, and then, then there are the rapists. And it's like, actually, like those regular bad guys can be a rapist for one but two, like, we shouldn't be subjected to any kind of, like, bad behavior from them. Right. Everything from, you know, like, whatever, from, like, the winking to the stalking to the, like, like, everything just escalates all the time. If you thought that the guy who was street harassing you, that that's all he was after, and you knew that for a fact, you would probably be less annoyed by him. The reason that it, like, terrifies us and it, like, fucks up your entire day is because you're afraid of what they will do next. Right. It's the, it's the tip of the creep iceberg. 
Yeah. Ugh, tip of the creep. Ugh, I, I mean, it. but it, it's true. And I, I guess that's... Sorry, I'm just ranting. No, I'm I mean, just like, so. I'm so angry, Anne. I'm so angry. I am too. And the way that like, I'm like air quoting here, reasonable people are making this a conversation that's like, do we really want to shut down flirting in the office as opposed to like, how do we protect yes, people? Yes, shut down flirting in the yeah. office. It's no, wrong. no, no. I mean, listen, I am, I am not disagreeing with you, but I'm just saying it's like this amazing like triple axle of patriarchy to be like, yeah. to be like, no, 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 let's make this about men's right to flirt at work as opposed to about women's right to feel safe, like doing their jobs and existing in the world. Like, cool flip. I mean, it's just like thinking about also all the ways where like victim blaming happens, right? Where it's like, well, you know, like why are people in Hollywood going to people's hotel rooms? I'm like, I don't know how to tell you this. A hotel room is a place of work. Like, Fuck you guys. Like any anywhere that you are that you think there is a professional connection that will happen ends up being a place of work. And this is why we need stronger work protections. One, this is my pitch for unions for everyone. But also, you know, like this whole, it's like I keep thinking back about Trump and the like Pussygate tape mm-hmm. and how he literally got away by saying that's locker room talk. I know. And it's like the more, it's like I was outraged then, but I am like incensed even more now that that is not an okay way to talk. Yeah. Like even if that's what you were just guilty of, that is fucked up and just for that alone you shouldn't be president. But like it 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 just so happens that it's like it's actually not true. It's like, oh, we have like a serial abuser as president also. It's like some days I forget and like this week I am reminded of that and I don't know how to process that information. Yeah. I I don't know how to process it either. I am just really struggling with a systemic way forward. And maybe there is someone who has it that's not like office anti-harassment training, you know, like, I don't know. Um, Yeah, or like more women in leadership, you know, like those things are not going to work. But like, you know, like, sorry to sound like a broken record and like very sad, but like nothing will change until men change their behavior. Instead of looking at like how women's behavior can change things, everything from like protecting yourself to like being assertive or whatever is when we start looking at the ways that like men can change things. Because clearly, like to me, like that's the key to the entire puzzle. I don't know, like I don't know how we move forward if 50% of the population does not acknowledge the fact that like they are largely responsible for this problem and like they are the ones that need to change. Yeah. I mean, I have I have nothing to add to that. Like 100% men be better. And like also when I see hashtags like me too, I'm like I 100% support everyone who is chiming in and being brave about their stories, but I also like I feel like him too is the better. It's like, no, not, you know, you too, yes, and that you've experienced this, but it's like him too. Like these are all the people like in your in your field. Like there is a part of me that's like cumulatively there is an effect to men meeting some consequences. Um, and I think that it like it, 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 the rewards are increasing the more you can show how widespread this really is as opposed to pointing to, to men as if they are singular monsters. You know, like Harvey Weinstein, a singular monster. Like, yeah. No, no, no. Like Harvey Weinstein exhibiting behavior that like literally thousands of men exhibit unchecked. Oh, seriously. You know, but like shout out to men who have been stepping up and like sharing their stories like Terry Crews and yes. James Van Der Beek. That was, like, really heartening to hear. Terry Crews, like, forever, like, one of my favorite feminists. Oh, my God. Terry Crews is the best. His book is his book is really good. Yeah, and he just, I mean, I, I think we just said it as if everyone knew, but he, he 
published a series of tweets about being groped at an industry event and how and why he didn't feel like he could be public about that before now, too. So, yeah. Exactly. It's not just women. <sighs> but you know what is, you know where it is the point of commonality is all the perpetrators thus far have tended to be men. That's the point of commonality. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, and the Terry Crews example, too, was like such a, the way that he like shared his story was like such a illuminating point into like how race and gender like intersect in that way and how mm-hmm. he felt like he couldn't do anything because he didn't want to be the angry black man at the fancy Hollywood party. And that was like, I was so shocked and saddened by that, you know? And then, but thinking about even this whole, this problem is like the the systematicness of this problem and how it intersects with all of these different places, like is what also makes it so hard to talk about. Right, absolutely. And it's why like, I don't fault women of color who don't feel like they're able to be public about some of this stuff, especially because like, we know what happens in terms of the public abuse that they are then subjected to when they like speak their truth out loud. Ugh. So I don't what know. What a shitty, 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 shitty week. But also like some people are amazing and some people are working to change things. That makes me feel okay. Right. And just want to say a big, we love you to anyone who has been on the receiving end of this sort of vile behavior. Obviously CYG is team you. Seriously. We are <laughs> team you like take care of yourself. We're in this for the long haul. <sighs> So totally. like take so take care of yourself, yeah. And and we don't forget. <laughs> we do not forget. We're gonna take every one of these fucking pigs down, like one by one. Don't you worry. Right. Yeah, like Clarence Thomas, Terry Richardson, Dove Charney, Gian Gomeshi. Like I remember all of your names. Oh my god, yeah. Clarence Thomas. I just yeah, it's like people are like, women are finally speaking about harassment. It's like, do you know Anita Hill? Like, please. Yeah, I know. Can I hit you with some posy news so we can end on a note? Oh my God. Tell me all the posy news. What's going okay, on? Okay. Since you've been gone, Kelly Clarkson voice, California, <laughs> <laughs> the state of California has officially recognized a quote, third gender. This is what the headlines are calling it. But basically, yes, queen. I know on legal documents now in California, uh, residents can identify as male, female, or non-binary. Um, and the bill goes into effect in 2019. So that's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to governor Jerry Brown for signing that legislation. And, um, I love the idea that like, this is now an identity that can like be reflected on your actual documents. Like you can fly on an airplane, just be in your non-binary self, hopefully in the not too distant future. Um, that's amazing. I love it. Go California. Um, go California. Second, second piece of good news. Uh, in Barbados, there's going to be a street called Rihanna Drive. <laughs> <laughs> Rihanna. Rihanna. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. What a, you know, that young lady. What a year. What a year she's had. I know. Um, 
just, I'm just, you know, I think about that a lot. Like, I think, I think we've talked about this before about like seeing the number of like buildings and streets and public things that are named for like, frankly, horrible people. Um, and if not horrible people, like a very demographically predictable set of people. And I'm like, yes. It's like very bad people and Martin Luther King. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how street names work. Right. Yeah. They're like, what's the worst, what's the worst neighborhood in your, in your town? We're going to put Martin Luther King Drive right there. A hundred percent. So shout out to Rihanna Drive. May may there be Rihanna Drives in every city <laughs> in the future. Um, oh my God. Yeah. What a world. That's the best. I know. Uh, do you, do you want to end on this listener question? Do you want to just like call Yes. Us? Tell okay. me. Okay. Tell me. Related to Rihanna, we got a listener question that I also wanted to read you um, because I think, I think we have something to add to this, to this person's dilemma. Um, so a listener writes, the other day I was playing music on shuffle from my iTunes library and a song came on that has explicit lyrics, Needed Me by Rihanna. I liked the song and sang along, but suddenly felt guilty because the song uses the N-word. The more I thought about it, the more I wondered what you two would have to say about the subject. What are your thoughts on artists using the N-word in music? Is it something you feel conflicted about? Et cetera, et cetera. Well, here are my thoughts about the N-word. I will forever laugh you out of town and find you very suspicious if you're a white person who thinks that nobody can use the N-word under any circumstances. You are only responsible for your own people. And it is true. White people are not allowed to use it under any circumstances. I don't get offended if they do, but I'm just like, you should know that consequences will come to you and you should be prepared to deal with it. Yeah. To be fair, Um, I believe this listener is a woman of color who's not a black woman. So just a little bit of context, but not white. But anyway, go on. Yeah. Perfect. But that's like usually the context that we discuss the N-word in. Like people are like really conflicted. I use the N-word very sparingly because it's not my truth. I think that like I like did not grow up with an African-American experience. And so it's like highly disingenuous and inauthentic to use it. Uh, But it doesn't bother me when other people use it in songs. I don't know. I never make the mistake of like almost singing it. I feel like you can censor yourself. But Friend of the podcast and like deep IRL friend Mercedes Krauss in college brought this like amazing tip into our lives. Oh, this has really saved me in like so many situations. I can't even I'm so excited to share this on the podcast. It's it's the best. It's like literally like it's the only way I could listen to like jams with the college friends. Um, Mercedes replaces the N word with the word neighbor when she sings. And it works for everything it works in neighbors in paris <laughs> um, neighbor nah <laughs> neighbor nah beyonce yeah. <laughs> like talk to those neighbors it always works it's totally fine i'm like down i'm down for like evangelizing neighbors to everybody thank you mercedes for bringing that into our lives Ugh, neighbors on rihanna drive like forever and ever <laughs> y'all are crazy y'all are crazy pro tips yeah um, um glad we could do that i like it this was uh this was this week's edition of life hacks <laughs> 
I mean, this is some news you could use. I'm a little bit sad it's buried at the end of the podcast, given that it's the only thing we had a solution for. (laughs) Here's the problem is that like, I am generally down for neighbors with my friends, but you know that like people will just start using it. And what they really mean is like the very despicable word that is on the other side of that. So like, you can't trust everybody. It's true. It's true. I think that um, I... That's why we can't have nice things. You're right. And it's, it's also probably worth clarifying that I don't use that term outside of singing along to music. Like, I'm not like, look at these neighbors over here. Like, no, 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 no. It's only like I'm singing along to Needed Me by Rihanna and I need a replacement word so I can keep singing along. Like, that is literally the exclusive context in which the neighbor hack works. Yeah, literally in music. It does not work in, like, other, like, spoken word versions of your life. Like, don't greet. Yeah. Don't greet a group of people. (laughs) Don't greet. Listen. I like I live when people use the n-word though and they think that they're being really provocative and then like violence happens I'm always like listen like these are the consequences you can do whatever you want but like you like cannot control how people react to it yeah um so it's crazy lyrics only but yes lyrics only lyrics only neighbor (laughs) thanks Beyonce Uh, um awesome okay well We'll see you in America soon. I know. I'm going to go eat a waffle and probably I'm going to eat French fries also. And I'm going to deal with my rejected California state tax return. Oh my God, I can't. And uh, <laughs> eat my feelings. You're the best. Uh, good. Th- you're in a good place to eat your feelings. I support you. I know, I know. I'm going to eat on my dad's bed, be a really bad kid today. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> you can find us many places on the internet including on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download this podcast anywhere you listen to your faves or on Apple Podcasts, where we love reviews. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can leave us a short and sweet voicemail. Yes, we always listen to these at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. We have original music composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Sneed. And this podcast is produced by Gina Delbach. Bye, boo boo. See you in our shared hotel very yes. soon. <laughs> See you on the internet, too. <laughs> <laughs>